For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcoming into another episode of the Bad Signal Podcast, we have Chris Winningham. I hope I got all of the syllables and letters correctly <laughs> in your name. Whittingham, no I. Whittingham. Just a Y. From the Dan Levitard Show, Meadowlark Media. He jumped out of a plane yesterday. I asked him to come on my show on Wednesday after the heat game. He said, well, uh, you know, I am skydiving tomorrow. I gave him my horror story of when I was skydiving. <laughs> um, I gave him great details about how I jumped out of a plane when I was studying abroad in Australia. And I actually, during the free fall, um, punctured a hole in my eardrum. And so the whole filming process was terrible. And I went through great detail. And I hope that you were thinking about that when you were jumping out of the plane. I, I was not. I was not. I was trying to maintain a positive frame of mind. I was not thinking about how this could puncture my eardrum. Although about 20 seconds in, I very quickly understood how one's eardrum could be punctured as a result. Because it it's very loud, it turns out, jumping through the sky. Very loud. And, like, very um, physically taxing, I would say. I was stunned that, like, I needed a nap afterwards. And, and I know this might sound ridiculous, like, yeah, of course, you're jumping, you're free-falling for 8,000 feet, which is essentially what you did. And I landed, I was like, I, I need a nap. I'm tired. <laughs> it really just, like, takes, sucks the wind out of you, really. <laughs> like, I told you, that, that free-fall, I don't understand thrill-seekers mm. and people who can type. I, I, I almost want to give credit to those who type rope walk across mm. a canyon you know it's it's those are better than the ones who want to jump out of a plane or do some crazy evil knievel flip in the air with a motorcycle and this but jumping out of a plane it's that free fall stomach and it just doesn't go away i, I can't really you're probably you're better with words can you how do you explain that to someone who really wants to go go skydiving and let's just convince them that like it's a one and done kind of thing well, so actually, for me, uh, not, not to not to puncture your uh, your your foray into this conversation, but I kind of do want to do it again, mostly because I, I like I didn't feel no. like I, I I didn't feel like I got the form right. I didn't feel like I enjoyed enough the like because they're they, they say you're supposed to look out and like they're you know and and not worry about what's going on and like there was some worrying and so I wasn't. It was one of those where I, when I do things, I like to do them as if I know how to do them, despite the fact that I don't. And yeah. so I did that not knowing how to do it. And I felt the entire time that it's like, it's, am I doing this right? And I feel like if I did it again, I could do it more right. And so it wasn't scary enough nor harmful enough that I would be dissuaded from doing it again. And because I want to do it better, I want to do it again. Now, it's going to be like a year, I would say, like maybe not next week. But at some point, I'd be like, you know what? That skydiving thing. Let's get back to that and see if we can we can do that experience a little bit better. 
What was Dan's feedback in all of this? Were you live? Were they live back in the studio? Kind of, I know that you went with 10 Day Tony. Yeah. He's very funny. I, I like, um, I just love how he just shoots the inflection of like that full, beautiful Spanish, you know, he's like, <laughs> ¿Qué te pasó, papi? You know, like, he'll just like, Dímelo, mi gente. You know, like, yeah. like, that's what made me fall in love. I, I speak Spanish. My Spanish is not as good as when I was working at NBC. And I was like all sorts of bilingual going through my ears, sharing the same building as Telemundo. But, you know, I, I, I love I love the, uh, you know, the diversity that's on the show. I guess I'm running through two different angles here. What was Dan saying? And I mean, like just the, just the atmospheres, how, how you guys got involved with Red Bull. I'm sure that there were a lot of factors into this. Someone was sponsoring something and that $50 million DraftKings, you know, you, you got to start spending some money somewhere. So <laughs> is that is that where it began? So it, it began because, so Mike Ryan, who works on our show, has actually developed a good relationship with Red Bull over the course of the last year plus. Uh, you mentioned as being a part of that independent phase. Like, it's just good to kind of be friends with people who are in high places. And so... Uh, Mike was able to, he got this offer for, hey, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff next week in Miami because of the Formula One race, which yeah. is in town. Red Bull obviously being one of the top two teams uh, in Formula One this season. So they're doing a lot of stuff. And so they're like, hey, we want to get some of our people down there and they're going to be skydiving and doing stuff. Would you want to come along? And this actually casually came up in a meeting that we had last week. And I very flippantly said yes. Like I was not... I did not measure the consequences on what I said, nor did I think based off of the very short notice that it was even going to happen. Like, I was kind of like, eh, I'll say yes, but I mean, it's like in a week. Like, when this isn't going to happen. And then, yeah. like, it very quickly became real. Uh, the logistics are being worked out. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Now, the good news for me from a mental standpoint is that I was so busy over the course of this week. It has been a Heat Panthers, Heat Panthers, uh, Formula One, uh, UEFA Champions League, like all kinds of crazy sports things happening. So I've basically been working nonstop for like until I jumped out of an airplane. So I didn't really have time to consider the consequences nor the fear of it. But uh, to answer your question about like what was it like on the show, it, it we, we called in beforehand. It was kind of weird how before you go skydiving, everyone wants to tell you about how scary it is and how like you might die and oh what happens if you die and like the running joke was well it was nice knowing you and you know it's part of the thing oddly enough didn't affect me but yeah we we, we jumped in before and after and uh we were having we were having a good amount of fun with the guys from red bull because the guy from red bull was like a very like uh yeah dude you know gnarly man like wasn't it awesome dude like it was one of those like and it was like it's exactly who i wanted i kind of say it almost like in a in a mocking sense but i Love the guy. I absolutely love the guy. I want to be that guy when I grow up. Just the guy who's like, all about the vibes, brother. All about the vibes. Like, God, I wish I was that guy so much. He's taking you right out to uh, Key Biscayne, right where all the sharks go. He's going to be like, yeah, man, let's go windsurfing. And, uh, you know, let's go with the sharks. And then we're going to swim yeah. in the sharks with no cage, man. This, yeah, is the guy who's, this is the guy whose specialty is base jumping. He's like, oh yeah, I moved to. I, he moved to Idaho because there's like a really tall bridge in Idaho, and so he jumps from the bridge all the time as like a means of practicing. As a means of practicing, he says he's done eleven thousand skydives and six thousand base jumps in his oh, life. 
Okay. Do these so, people so, have life insurance? <laughs> well, the, do they have probably, wills? Probably like, not. I, I, I'm just I'm out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would I would hope so. I mean, I, I, he he seemed to intimate that he has a wife, uh, but you know, I I don't. I mean, I guess if for him it'd probably be like, well, if I die going this way, like I died I died doing what I loved. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I love kind of those stories about these these random characters that you guys attract throughout, and I've been such a big fan of the of the Levitard show. And I know that a lot of people, some of my friends, I said, I had Whitney Whittingham on my show and he's like, <laughs> Oh my God. And the first question he says, he says, and I'm saying this very lightly because mm-hmm. I think he's fantastic. He asks, he's like, Oh, you know, I have these questions. And do you know how much better you are than, than Jess on the show? Oh God. <laughs> I, I just, just like, stop it. It's so She's annoying. So like I, 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 I hate when we're pit against each other on social media. Because the thing is, is that like you guys it's pretty right. You like you guys get together, yeah. like you get coffee before, and you're... for sure, yeah. I mean, like Jess and I in particular, like when when Jess moved down here, like she comes from New York, doesn't have any friends down in Miami. So I think we yes, all kind of took it upon ourselves to be like, you know, like we all we all need to 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 do better and make sure that like. You know we're we're good colleagues right now, but yeah, I mean like we're in, we're in group texts and we're all having fun. But then we get pit against each other on Twitter, and yes. it, it's one of the things that's been kind of difficult to process. Uh, one is like the things you say have consequences. It turns out, um, which which like normally you, like you should, but every once in a while you say it's like oh wow people heard that huh? And then yeah. the other thing is is like it's really hard to like you know, from my work in broadcasting and on local radio and stuff like we had the text line and we had people that would tweet us and stuff. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with feedback, but like the, it being on Twitter, it being in your notifications, it's just like, it's very hard to avoid it. So we all see it. And so we hope that it doesn't affect our interpersonal dynamics, but I mean, in the end, we're just human beings. But uh, my, my hope would be that people take it as a show that is an ensemble of characters and everyone brings their own unique thing and it doesn't have to be pit against each other. It's not like, like we all feel like we get our touches. As a matter of fact, like sometimes it's like, Oh, did did I, did I go too much there? Like everyone in the environment feels like they get their touches. So I hope that everyone would just kind of enjoy each person on the show for who they are. Oh, trust me. I I get that. And working at WEEI, I used to read the text line constantly during our morning show or even at the night, Mm-hmm. And they would yell at me. They're like, Fallon, stop. <laughs> like, stop reading the text. I'm like, well, I need to know if people think that that take was good or that take was bad. Don't read the comments. But it doesn't mean anything. Thing. Like it, it's, no, not, it's, it's not exactly. a representative sample of the audience writ large, right? Like, yeah. and even, even though it's like a, a furnace blast of takes and things that are like just like that are unavoidably part of your life it's not representative of like of you know i I find it very hard to even like when people say nice things or to be like okay is that just you or is that representative of of the audience in 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 total so i think you kind of have to trust your own judgment and be like all right i'm you know like i'm i'm either proud of that or i feel like that was okay and that wasn't but uh i I, audience reaction is something that i've struggled with uh, over the course of these last few years just because it's like you know what what's real you know like are 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 what people saying or are they just the people who take the time to say something yeah and and i mean you have this 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 uh ghost facade that people can stand behind and and uh you know these these twitter trolls and the and the nasty things that people can say and even sometimes they put a face behind it i mean i i had a uh, I I won't even get into it because it's not even it's not even important anymore. But I had 
just this um, an army of Panther fans who believed that I hated Cam Newton and I was racist and I, you know, and, and they would harass me, harass me and put me in, in, in text chains and Twitter chains and this for over a year. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible world out there that we have to deal with. And uh, you know, I, I guess I, I can bring this and draw this all back to your fearless leader who certainly does not read the comments, but uh, the whole joke of the Dan Lepetard show is about, uh, you know, it's you don't get the show if, yeah. if, if someone I know that there's a, a friend of mine up in Boston who I, I sometimes I listen, I have I've had him on my show, but I've had to mute him because uh, he goes after people and he's like, oh, you know, oh, my God, look at this uh, sports betting tab. And this is a joke and this and, and and like people are commenting back. They're like, you just don't get the Levitard show. It's it's parody. There's there's a, a certain flavor that that is involved in 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 just like the entire dynamics of the show and it's a cast of characters and I mean it could be like the Andy Griffith show I guess I'm probably doing that wrong of just putting that uh, together <laughs> however um, you know what, what can you take away from in those moments I guess I mean because we all deal with it and and certainly you know there's there's a it's a doggy dog a world out there and it's it's hard to be young like ourselves and and establish ourselves in in social media and and in and television and broadcasting and I know that we can get into some of the stuff you've been doing with soccer but you know what do you, what do you take away what qualities do you take away from your fearless leader in 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 Dan and and kind of what what's what what advice does he give to the young pups on the show <laughs> just in how so, to deal with things right i i think in some ways, like the way that he is about criticism and like he'll read it out and turn it into a joke yeah, was something that a, was like something that I internalized. Like when I started listening to the show when I was in high school, like yeah. I internalized that the feedback that people send you, I mean, obviously like some of it matters and when people are nice and like, you know, when people say cool things or, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, are, are offering legitimate professional criticism like we sometimes get in our industry, like we have to listen to it. But for the most part, a lot of people are just saying it to get a rise out of you. A lot of people are saying it because they're at, like, I have had people who send me nasty direct message requests and then eight hours later be like, sorry, man, I was having a rough day. I was <laughs> venting and I'm, I'm sorry that I did that. And so. I, 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 at, my, at my expense for my own mental health. Oh, bro, bro, it's all good. No worries. Right. I'm, I'm glad that my mental health was nothing able to, to help you serve nothing, yours. Yeah, nothing ever happened. <laughs> but either way, like that, kind of way of dealing with feedback has made me completely not care about things that people say. It's only in like my own self-reflection or if somebody from within our environment be like, hey, like maybe tone that down, maybe improve this. And we can talk as equals as colleagues. Yeah. And as someone who's like not trying to tear me down, it's just trying to like help me get better. Like I have no problem with genuine personal criticism. Yeah. But for me, it's the, you know, reading stuff on Twitter replies. Like what it teaches you to have is courage of your conviction, right? That like, yeah. you know, let you are able to believe in yourself to such a degree that yes, you're doing something that's counterculture. You're doing something that other people wouldn't be doing, but you believe in it. Like Dan, from the beginning as a columnist, you know, being able to write things that were not the mainstream sports consensus at the time that eventually did, right? Like a lot of the world has kind of bent towards Dan's point of view. When you look at the way that people just have fun with stuff on social media, player empowerment as well, things like that, that he's been writing about for a long time. And then as it relates to the show, 
the show from the very beginning was always like, we take this stuff too seriously. Let's have some more fun. Let's lighten up. And the fact that that was so bucking against what mainstream sports radio was at the time, what mainstream sports culture was at the time, and you just believe it strong enough that eventually the world bends to your will. And now, quote, guy talk, which is not at all what the Levitard show was, but it's really just like not talking about sports, right? Yeah. It's like talking about things that happen to you in your daily life, things that are funny about the games are now kind of a regular feature of of most sports radio shows. And certainly in Miami, like you cannot listen to a show in Miami that is not heavily influenced by that motif, that theme, which is that this is fun, have some fun with it, make fun of people, but not in a mean way, in a lighthearted way. And I think like culturally, the world is kind of bent towards the Levitard way of thinking about it. So I think that's just really cool. And And it gives us the the freedom to just be who we are like there are many aspects of my personality that like i don't even show in my real day-to-day life that i show on the show just because it's an environment that's so free and liberating it's like all right like if this is like part of my character this is part of who i am as a person why wouldn't i just do it on the show and we can turn it into content and laughter that's fantastic i love that when did you start with the Levitard show? How, how did you, when did you know you were going to start working with them? And really what's the hardest thing that's, that you've had to get used to while working there? So I started as a result of the leaving of ESPN. So there was yeah, kind of- Yeah, I, I, I can mm-hmm. try to, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, was ne- I was never involved in the show like in a way that people knew about. Actually, during the pandemic, uh, I was helping to put together things just because- like when you're used to working in a studio and all of the features that a studio has, transitioning to not having access, literally not having access to your studio as a result of the pandemic was a change. So I was helping yeah. them. I was helping everyone like, you know, with mics and with, uh, you know, editing and figuring out how to put things together so that they could sound good. Cause you know, there's only so far that zoom quality goes when you're trying to put out a broadcast radio show and put out a podcast, like yeah. as like some of the things that you use for your podcast, like you want to make it sound as good as you can. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I was kind of helping them with that. And so, but that was all behind the scenes. Like nobody knew who I was on the show. And then because Mike and I worked together on the Chelsea Mike'd Up podcast, he knew that I had a background, not just in podcasting in general, but in specific, like the technical aspects of it. So like there needed to be a transition from where the show was being hosted at ESPN to not only its own new place, but its own new place that could be ready the day after they left you. So it was like, leave ESPN on a Monday, Tuesday, be ready to start putting out content because ESPN was letting them and ESPN allowed them to keep us to keep our feeds. So which is like where all of your subscribers come from and basically the value of the whole thing. People would eventually come and find the Levitard show again, but you'd have to start from zero as opposed to starting from many thousands of listeners, many hundreds of thousands of listeners. So we had the ability to keep all of our listeners. And so we decided to, uh, you know, keep like have like host our podcast in a certain place. Mm -hmm. And I was basically in charge of when, you know, the switch gets flipped at 9am on Tuesday morning, and you get handed your feeds that you're ready to go, that you keep all your subscribers, that we put out content because you can't have a blank feed. Apple does not recognize your feed as being real if it doesn't have something on it. And ESPN was completely wiping it clean. So so it was one of those where like you had to one day to the next be ready to go. And so like that, that was a stressor. In terms of like what's new and different and worth getting used to, it's the like level of performance. Like I think those 
those guys have underestimated like how um, mentally taxing it is to just be on all the time and on yeah. for several yeah. hours. And I hadn't done that for a while. Like I hadn't done local radio for a while where like you're on for three hours and like what that exertion is, but just kind of being ready to, you know, jump in on any bit, to listen to everything, to be working on production stuff on the side. Like at the beginning, like there were times where I would leave, I'd go home and I just had nothing left mentally. Um, but uh, the, over, over time that's gotten better. And it's just one of those things that you have to kind of get back on that bicycle again. Yeah. Would you say that, because of that time when ESPN gave you nine o'clock on the dot, that you are the perfect candidate to order special Nike sneakers or like one of the, I feel like this is like a, uh, like a cultural clothing drop. Like you're, you know, <laughs> on the yes. dot, like you are the guy that we're going to have to send in to get those off white uh, <laughs> t-shirts that sell out at 12.00.012. Yes, you know, like on, the, gonna, on, the, on the sneakers on the app top. or like, on, you know, like, yeah. You could, you could be hired at many different places to buy merch, <laughs> right. merch for people. You or, are like, you have, you have the experience. I think you need to add that to the resume. Yeah, I would say like, I'm pretty good at, so I like, I planned a whole trip to the UK with my friends. And like, I once got up at 2.30 in the morning to buy tickets to a Chelsea match. Like oh, I'm wow. like, I am great at being in front of lines. I'm great at that sort of thing. So yeah, I would definitely say that is something that like, you know, like at the bottom of your resume, you put skills. I'd be like being in the front of the line could potentially be one of them. Um, uh, judging a, uh, a food contest, would that be, would that be hmm. a, um, a specialty of yours? I've is, never- is it, you? is it you that's that? Oh, it's no, it's Dan Orlovsky. I'm, I'm mixing yeah. up former ESPN personalities or Dan <laughs> basically um, doesn't salt any of his bread. Oh yeah. He's wow. like, a, he's like super doesn't plain. Doesn't eat anything. Salt like, bread. No, I mean, but like I, yeah. he doesn't put salt. He's, he's a very boring. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, Stan, like Stan, like Stan Van Gundy on our show. Like he, you ask him what his favorite flavor of potato chip is. And he says like potato chip. Plain. Potato. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, plain. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, so would you, uh, uh, guessing a, uh, you know, uh, judging a food contest, would that be a skill hmm. for Whittingham? I, I have only, I think I've like was once a judge at a radio karaoke competition. That's as okay. far as my, as my judging, but I think I'm very fair. I think I'm a neutral arbiter. So I think I could be, but like, I don't know if I would necessarily, I don't know if I'm the foodie that you'd want to be a food judge. Cause okay. maybe my, maybe my taste, maybe my, uh, way of thinking on food isn't exactly what you want out of a food okay. judge. But okay. I think, but I think like judge, not like judges and like judge or like being judgy, but like, judges like, and like, judge. like, Aaron like judge. exactly. Like yeah, judges yeah. in neutral are, I think I could be a very good neutral arbiter. If you need me to be a neutral arbiter, I'd say I'm, I'm up to the challenge. Excellent. Who is better at Photoshop? You are, are, are Mike Ryan. Uh, probably neither of us to be fair. Uh, yeah. So, I, I learned how to Photoshop when I was in high school, so that was probably like 13 so years bad. ago. So I, I could I could probably get back on the horse at some point, but I would I'd need some help. I would say I'd probably say I'm better, but only just because I, I don't think Mike has ever even like used Photoshop. Other than like like the the phone version, he's very good at like doing things on the phone. Oh, yeah, that's what like, I thought. You, you, you put memes and things, and you, you, you yeah yeah you put faces over things, or you you like he's good at that stuff. So maybe like on a mobile basis he'd be better, but like Adobe Photoshop, I, I think I'd probably have him beat there. <laughs> <laughs> the um, 
the the one thing that we that we reminisced about and it was funny because you know Danny Green plays for the Sixers and I I swear I mean I made a I made a bet with someone and I was like Doc Rivers's kid plays for the Sixers or one of them or the Currys or I mean I know that Curry they traded him to the Nets but um Danny Green looks like one of Doc's kids. He looks like Austin Rivers. He's got really <laughs> skin. And once I realized it was Danny Green, I was like, I screamed out to him after the game. I was like, hey, bro, you've been in the league for a minute. I remember when you were on the Spurs. And the reason I know he was on the Spurs was because in Dan Levitard's 2013 championship rant, he said, Danny Green thought the series went to five because he just disappeared. During those games, but those first game five seven. games, though, those first five games, my word! Like Danny Green oh. playing against playing against the Heat now, I still have PTSD. He was like one of ten from three in game two, uh, yeah. and I'm still terrified every time he soars into the air to take a three, and every time he's there on transition defense. Like I don't think people realize how indelible the 2013 and 2014 finals are on the minds of Miami sports fans because of like the various characters like Gary Neal is someone that I'm still afraid of just because of like how closely contested those series were. Justin Varnado. Oh my God. Jarvis. Dan, it's Jarvis. <laughs> Jarvis. Justin Varnado. <laughs> Whatever happened with, um, with Maximilian and, and Gonzalo? And uh, Poppy, did, yeah. did, he, did he find, did he get his axe? I didn't see part two. I saw part one. It was blown up all over um, this Heat team, by the way. I mean, I could talk for hours about how much I love. And there is a reason that I dropped everything when I was in Boston. I said, I want to go cover this team. This team is exciting <laughs> and it's great. But whatever happened with um, with Maximilian, did, uh, you know, did, did Poppy get his revenge because to be Max determined, to, to be determined, we, it's like a soap opera cliffhanger, to be determined. Because oh, so you didn't even drop the second episode? We haven't, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't dropped part two. We gotta, we gotta keep the people waiting. Gotta, oh, gotta keep the people on. figure out. So, Max, the, so, no. so what happened there was uh, Gonzalo Lebetard, otherwise known as Poppy, uh, was, uh, you know, obviously on ESPN for a long time and highly questionable with Dan. CDC, very intrigued. But still uh, is a very big Heat fan. Oh, and every him, game he sits right underneath me right and so him and uh, and his and his wife they go to all the games yep. and his wife has taken a liking to max Struess because i have to be honest he's a he's a good looking man a him and man. him and and omer yurtsevin i would say omer i've been surprised ahead of this series like wow omer yurtsevin good looking fella and uh and so uh you know poppy's wife mommy as it were uh, has has taken a liking to Max Drews, and so on our show he said, "I'm gonna find that Max Drews. I'm gonna give him a piece of my mind." Uh, and uh, and him and he recruited Udonis Haslam uh, to to his to be on his team, and so he did show up at the arena with a variety of weapons. I was told a great anecdote about how how the security there went because oh God, no, because it was, it was one of those that like that that had to go up to like VP level of like, hey. There's a guy who's trying to get in the building with weapons. Should we let him in? But it was all part of a bit, but, you know, security bit. Like, that didn't get all the way down to security. And knowing us, we probably didn't do a whole lot of logistics beforehand to call people and be like, hey, you know, maybe have someone at a really high level show up at the front door, meet us there, and be like, yeah, they're fine. We're doing a thing. Uh, but either way, uh, the, the logistics story is probably just as funny as the actual story, though okay. it's still to be determined as we have not released part two of that series. Uh, you can't cliffhanger me like that. 
That is hysterical. Well, I will tell you on, on not event days, it's a little lax, you know, I mm. mean, there is a security guard system. And um, if that was a game day, uh, all hell would break. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, there, like, there are like bomb sniffing dogs there as backup on game days. Oh yeah. They're not, yeah. They're not even there to like actually sniff your bags. Cause they have like a x-ray machine. The bomb sniffing dogs are backup. I know. Every time I walk by, I'm like, puppy, puppy. No, but they say, they, they say on their vest, they, 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 they say they, on their vest, they don't, they don't like, don't touch I know, the puppies. They don't like it. I, no. I you know I love dogs. There's like two dogs to every person in my building. Um, mm. It's funny because it's like Kevin Durant went to, I, what is he? Is he scouting overseas? I feel like this is such a Chris Whittingham move. He went to go see a game <laughs> in Greece. Mm. He has a friend that's he's, in the he's on vacation. Early final. And they had flares, and he said, "Bring a flare to an NBA game, and you can end up in Rikers." <laughs> yeah, you will end I, up I, in Rikers. The, I feel like the the EuroBasket crowds. I feel like you know. I, I, I wish I kind of. I wish I knew like, more about it. Oh, I don't know, man. I I just don't think people here are too crazy. Because if you bring a if you bring mm. a flare, someone's going to bring a, a a plastic knife in a in that looks like a gun. <laughs> what kind of an idiot would do that? The Dave Chappelle guy yeah. rushed the stage. Uh, you know, actions of your consequences are 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 so important these days. And that get that kid like his gumby arm after he was like broken and you know attacking the stage. That's got to be terrifying for for comedians. You know, I, it's it's more more likely that someone's someone's going to rush the stage with some fake ass knife than. Do something like that. I don't know. It's kind of I remarkable mean, like, how, much, know, like, how much how much trust there's been until now. Like idiots like that. If you were to say yeah. like, "Hey, we're gonna do an outdoor game, and you can bring whatever." I just wish that like we did some like maybe not the flares, but we did copy them on originality of chants and songs. I, I'm 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 a bit tired of NBA game ops at this point. It's time to evolve. It's time to evolve. <laughs> we've done we've done everybody clap your hands one too many times. You it's just you, you know you think so. I think so. I'm glad uh, that like I'm glad that the Heat have Pepas as like an, an original yeah. thing that gets the crowd going. Yeah. I honestly like okay, so Pepas is a thing. If this were Eurobasket or European soccer, is that how people people Euro, people would Eurobaskete. <laughs> people Euro would sing Eurobaskete. Uh, <laughs> people Italian. people would sing Pepas without the cue. It would just be like a big moment in the fourth quarter. And yeah. the crowd, without any prompting, would just sing it a cappella amongst themselves. I would love for the Heat arena and the Heat fans to get to the point where they don't need to play Pepas. They just sing it. You know what I mean? Instead of like, just it, NBA fans need cues. I don't like that. I, I, I want to evolve past the cues. It's time. Okay. So um, were you at the Panthers game when they handed out Vuvuzelas? No, and I was how not. Did how did I, that go? Do you know? Can you get... Can you get word from from your insider sources on yeah, how the uh, Zalas were and were they incredibly annoying? Because I, I remember that what that was. I think that was my first introduction to the World Cup, the mm. World Cup soccer, and we can get into um, some of your expertise with soccer because I have no idea. I, I mean, like I was, I'm looking at my varsity letters right now. You know, I was a very good <laughs> soccer player. Oh, uh, your soccer bona fides. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. In terms of international soccer, that is some, that is a that is a mountain I need to climb. Mm. However, yeah, Vuvuzelas are the most annoying, annoying tool. You might as well bring a flare. I would rather someone bring <laughs> um, sparkler fireworks, like you know, the, like the little ones that snap. 
Mm. Than, than a vuvuzela because I yeah that's my ears are sensitive as you well, know right as we learn from your skydiving anecdote uh, skydiving. so I feel like the ones that they hand out at American sporting events are much more high pitched like the actual ones from South Africa which I, I did I did purchase one during the World Cup in 2010 it's a very bassy sound so they like they have some bass mm -hmm. but like there was one Marlins game where they handed them out and uh, are they, they sounded long? they are they like shorter. No, the the actual proper you have ones. Have to be long, right? Right. The proper ones are massive. They're that's, like really. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> the proper ones are massive. The proper ones are massive. Massive. Uh, yeah. So they uh, so so they're bigger and they have like a bassier sound, but the ones that they hand out at the arenas are very short, and so they like make like a kazoo like noise. So oh, they're God. just basically like big kazoos. And there was one time that they gave them out at a Marlins game, and it ruined the game. It was great. I, I, I went to that game and it was awesome. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, let's get into a little like Euro League and your and your passion for soccer. I mean, we yeah. can get into the Heat and the Dolphins and all that fun stuff, but I, I'm gonna save my um, my NFL topics for, you know, I, I I need to grab you on the soccer. You know, we need to diversify here on the Bad Signal Podcast. You are listening to Chris Whittingham from the Dan Lebitard Show, Meadowlark Media. Uh, first of all, what was your um, your role in the the um, the musical? Uh, so my role and how, in... and how and how much time and, and effort did you devote to that? Uh, not a ton, to be fair. That was all that was all Mike Ryan and JT Daly, the artists who we brought in, uh, who would help with the writing of the like. So JT was responsible for the music, and then we kind of helped with lyrics and songwriting, and then Mike did most of the songwriting with kind of a, a few a few pitch-ins from 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 all of us. Uh, but so my oh, role I was pigeons. I was like, I, I have an issue with pigeons. There's a pigeon that lived on my patio um, mm. and wouldn't leave, and I had to buy a an owl. Sorry, totally. You bought an owl. You bought an owl. I had, I had to buy um, a a statue owl to yeah. put on my. This thing wouldn't leave poop everywhere this thing that would it would bring its friends and then the friends it would stand there and they would like fight over who would do you, do you know do you know what attracted the pigeons to your balcony i know i there's like it's various i i live in edgewater so it's you know it's close to the water and mm -hmm. there's various different pigeons that will like fly between the apartment buildings it's this and the other one and i won't say which you know apartment building that i live in but um yeah some of them build nests Definitely mm. wasn't a female, because I would have seen a nest. But this this pigeon was, um, you know, I tried to be nice to it for a little bit. Mm. You know, I tried to offer it food. Just wasn't taking it. Just wanted to sleep. Just wanted a place to sleep and get out of the sun. So, so, so wait, um, so, so your balcony was a, was a place of sanctuary for this pigeon. So you, uh, you've yeah, ruined, and you've I ruined this pigeon's peace. Oh, I, I, was, <laughs> so, I was nice. And then, mm. you know, I had a cleaning people, and they cleaned it. And then I came back from, I was in Boston to cover the, the heat game at the end of March and there was just like it was a mess it was just like a trash mess and I was furious and You're I not, was you like, weren't having it anymore and it was I time said, to get rid of the pigeons the pigeon no. the pigeon needs to go I would get up in the middle of the night and I would chase it out I would say get off my patio but I guess I I do have a um I have a I have an owl I have a pet owl hmm. a statue just to um Pigeon hasn't come back since. So good. You said pitch in, and it's a pigeon. Yeah. So right? so anyway, so with a few yeah, pitches from us. Like but other than that, uh, so uh, perhaps because Mike knows my singing voice, he knew better than to give me a big singing <laughs> role. So actually, mine was more of an expository role in which I was kind of responsible for moving the plot along at various points. Uh, I would say probably the crescendo comes in the penultimate song, 
uh, which was about the actual Super Bowl. And so he had me do like kind of fake commentary of oh, okay. things that sort of resembled what happened in the Super Bowl. And so uh, that that was probably like a moment where like I got to show off my broadcasting chops. I really enjoy, I really enjoyed that bit. But in terms of actual like my voice reaching song, it probably only happened in very like two quick bursts. Other people were given okay. that responsibility, which is probably for the better. Yeah, you were. I listen. I, I'm sure that they threw you into the soprano, not the alto. They wanted. To, they wanted to accentuate exactly. the embarrassing yes. more than anything. Uh, All right, let's course. finish up, Chris. I, I need to know about what is going on with um, Inter Miami. Do you like this? I mean, as as Billy Corbin says, the boondoggle of Miami. God. That they boondoggled Miami no into boondoggle. a 1.6 billion dollar stadium rehash i mean the largest open piece of land for miami and now they're going to build a hotel and this and someone from if you haven't seen that political ad that billy corbin does which is fantastico you know he hmm. always says that so i mean what, what are you what what is happening with um the international game in terms of um um the men and the world cup and how yeah. are we looking how are we doing and why do I feel like there's like there's a tournament in soccer like every five days? Like I, I can't keep up. Yeah. I, I so yeah. I remember, oh, this big thing. I, I watched. Yeah. I like like this it. week. This week, your Twitter timeline might have blown up over the UEFA Champions League. Yes. yes which is the the big European club competition, which okay. for me and I think for most soccer observers is actually the best tournament in the world, not the World Cup. Uh, much, much too many people surprise. I think people like the World Cup because it's countries against countries and you figure out who the best country is at soccer. But yeah. in terms of like the best level of soccer you can see, the best level of drama, the craziest stuff happening, the UEFA Champions League is an unbelievable competition. Okay. And it delivered again this week. Uh, Real Madrid were 5-3 behind on aggregate heading into the 90th minute of their uh, two-legged tie against Manchester City. And then... Um, as a result of Real Madrid's incredible tradition and history, they come back from 5-3 behind to score in the 90th minute and the 91st minute to tie the game at 5-5. Then they went on to win in extra time, 6-5, and Manchester City are out despite leading for all but one minute of the 180 minutes of the, of, of the, of the semifinal. And then I heard that someone put $1,000 on, uh, it was at plus 45,000. Seriously? Yes, I saw this. Like live? Live. Took a live bet, dropped a thousand dollars for Man City. Sorry, Barcelona. Was it Barcelona? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Yes, Real Madrid to win, and 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 they won forty five thousand dollars. That's unreal. That's unreal. Like five minutes. Right, and it's one of those where it's like you're just banking on Real Madrid being like it's it's not based on logic at all. So anyway, so to kind of like to capture it all. European Champions League final will have Liverpool against Real Madrid. That is a rematch of the final in 2018, uh, which is kind of one of the most memorable soccer games we've had in the European game in the last kind of 10 years or so. Uh, So that'll be a great game. That'll be uh, later on in May. We're right now on the run into the Premier League title race. There's four games left, and Manchester City are ahead of Liverpool uh, by one point. That is the uh, English uh, domestic league, and then yeah. uh, coming up in about six months, we'll have the World Cup, the yeah. first ever, the first ever Winter World Cup, which will be held in Qatar. Uh, the U.S. managed to qualify 
for this one automatically. Obviously, they didn't in 2018. And there's like this generation of really good young players that are coming through, but they're still coming together. Um, remarkably, there's a stat that the U.S. were the youngest team to qualify for the World Cup by average age by more than two years. Wow. So they're two years younger than every other team that qualified for the World Cup. So they're still coming together. There's still pieces that have to come together. There's kind of a controversy about who's going to be the goalkeeper or controversy as to who's going to be the lead number nine and lead striker. So a lot to be determined. Uh, they're going to have like four games in late May, early June uh, to kind of continue their preparation for the World Cup. But it is, uh, it is fast approaching. And uh, the USA are in a group with England, Iran, and the winner of a European playoff, which should happen in June. So there's like real hope that the U.S. can get out of the group uh, which they obviously haven't done since 2014. Well, Harry Kane is playing for England. That's all I know. Or he's kind of old, right? No, he's he's, he's, so he's just been around for a long time. He's but he's, been he's not around. Like, I mean, I yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm he's, he's been invested. around for yeah. Very he's been around for a while. He's like 28 though. Oh, okay. Which is weird. I'm older than than Harry Kane. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, listen, any any friend that's a friend of Tom Brady's that he promotes. It's like, he's a friend of mine. I love it. <laughs> All right, Whittingham, what do you got? What do you have coming up on the docket? I know that you're heading out to uh, Formula One, which I am not rich enough to go. And I, I, I bet you are so thankful that that Dan got you a credential because yeah. like only rich people can come around this weekend. I, I have heat games to go cover tonight. Yeah, I've got gonna, like uh, I've, I've got like the neck I, of the Sixers, and there's a, there's a few people offering me passes for like a reasonable price. So I don't know, maybe if you want to go, if you if you want to go, maybe maybe we can get that taken care of. But uh, anyway, so Formula One is this weekend, which is going to be insane. I have. Uh, I've become one of the people that jumped on the bandwagon, like wow. all the other people that get yep. criticized for jumping on the bandwagon. I watched the Netflix show, and I've watched every single race of the year. Now, I've not watched all of every single race, but at least a portion, because there was one race that started at 1.30 in the morning in Australia. So uh, I, I didn't watch all that one, but I've watched all the races. I know what's going on. I'm actually really excited about like how Miami presents to the world. Um, there have been, uh, there's been a lot of controversy about the uh, marina, the fake marina, that oh. is on the track, which doesn't have real water. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to jump in? Right. So, so, so there's no, there's no real water there. But like, in some ways, that capturing the headlines does distract from the fact that that racetrack is awesome. Yeah. The setup around it is awesome. They're still kind of putting the finishing touches. I'll be curious how much more work they've done in the last 48 hours because it's just kind of like cosmetic stuff that they had to wrap up. But I yeah. think it's going to be an awesome event. It's already being talked about as kind of like one of the highlights on the Formula One Tour, which goes through so many cool Watch cities all over the world. Yeah. Right. So there's all these amazing places. So really fired up for that. We'll be at the race on Sunday. And then, yeah, I got heat stuff, got playoff stuff, got NBA, got NHL. It is a uh, bonkers time for us at, at Levitard Show. And also the MLS season is going on. I'm still calling all the Inter-Miami games. So oh. uh, that's good stuff. Just go go find him on social media. He's cool. He's Chris Whittingham. <laughs> no two eyes, just a why. Just don't ask me why. Yeah, we need to write a rap for you. You've spent I, too much time around Jason Jackson. That was, I, that was poetic. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it is time for Miami <laughs> basketball brought to you exclusively. Yes, that is true. <laughs> just wait, just wait until the Heat make the finals. Um, I went back on my on my Instagram with all of the alliteration hashtags like Larry loves Miami, mm. you know, like about the Larry O'Brien trophy. Listen, 
if you're going to be if you're going to be linguistically sound in in um in in the intelligence of Dan Lebatard, then I might be alliteration. Anna. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I you got will there. Be you got there eventually. Anna. Alliteration Anna. You got there. Alliteration Anna. Print the t-shirts. Chris <laughs> Whittingham. Thank you. We thank you for coming on the Bad Signal podcast. And maybe I will catch you and um, you can teach me how to do um, uh, a podcast remotely because that's something I've been trying and dying to do. And wasn't, you got wasn't, all wasn't this, you got wasn't, really wasn't this, on me. Wasn't, wasn't this a podcast done remotely? No, no, like remote. No, this is a podcast. Wait, you were like, what did I just waste 45 minutes? <laughs> no, oh, no. Oh, you mean like, like oh, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, you no. got super nerdy on me. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain. We're going to get all the elements of the, uh, the video and all that stuff. But once, once I get my shit together. Yeah, we'll know. get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll in, get do, there. in due course, Courtney, thank you for having me. Thank you. I see a red door. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.